and welcome to What a Scream, the horror movie podcast where I, your host, Egrain, chats about horror movies with a special guest every week. And we choose two films that have to do with a certain subject or topic that I've previously randomly chosen. Uh, So this week is all about a subject that I find quite terrifying and have done since I was quite a small child. Um, It is the subject of dolls and puppets in horror. Um, I think anyone who has ever read the Goosebumps series or has ever seen that China Doll episode from X-Files knows exactly what I'm talking about when I say puppets and dolls are downright effing terrifying. Um, There's something super uncanny about them. And this is something that myself and my special guests this week are going to be diving into as to why dolls and puppets are so damn right terrifying. Uh, So my guest this week is podcast host of the horror podcast Horn, Blood and Fire. It is Amber T. And together we are chatting about two films that have dolls or puppets in. The first one is May, the 2002 psychological horror film written and directed by Lucky McKee. And the second choice is Dead Silence, the 2007 horror film directed by James Wan and written by Lee Wanell, the team behind the Saw franchise. Um, So I hope you enjoy this week's episode um, and enjoy our chat about terrifying dolls and puppets. So I would like to welcome to What a Scream, Amber, how are you? I'm good, thank you, Agrain. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm so happy to be sitting down to chat with you about our amazing topic today. No problem. Um, I'm super excited to have you on because you're a fellow ghoul (laughs) from Ghoul's Magazine. So it's it's been really nice having a few of the ghouls on and, you know, having this bit of a, a siblinghood yes. amongst us. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely love it. I mean, like you said, it's just amazing having this this siblinghood, this group of people that you can just have in your life who have the exact same interests and passions as you and are just a really cool, chill group of people as well. Right. So I assume that a lot of horror people, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to generalise this and say especially like the female gender of when they're growing up, they're always kind of made to feel a bit weird for yes. their likes in horror. Well, I was mm-hmm. anyway, because I'd be into like the grosser stuff. Yep. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and it's so nice to be in a group with other like females and non-binary people yes. and just be like, okay, no, this is normal. It's yeah. okay to like, really, yeah. it's okay to like the fourth tier of the yeah. okay. I was literally just thinking that in our group chat the other day when we were talking about what's the difference between repulsive gore porn and horror. And I was like, you could never have this conversation with anyone else. And I just love that we could have it there. Exactly. <laughs> um, so apart from Ghouls Magazine, do you want to let the listeners know what else you do? Yeah, so I write um reviews over on instagram at hornblood fire and after i was doing that for you know just under a year i started um my podcast also called hornblood fire where i have a guest from the horror community come on they choose three words that they are things they're a fan of 
And from there, we pick a movie and we talk about it. Um, I also contribute to Grimoire of Horror, which is a, an amazing um, horror publication. I do a lot of work about Asian cinema for them. And Necromancy Magazine, who are a UK-based, also another horror publication, they're great. Um, so, yeah, and I talk nonsense on Twitter sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? Um, so do you remember when you first got into horror? Um, and what was the earliest horror film you ever saw? So I was, I'm an only child and, um, for anyone who is not an only child or doesn't know, we are very annoying and we also have very, very vivid imaginations. So I was always that weird, creepy only child who would like make imaginary friends out of nowhere. Um, I remember once when I was really young, must have been like five or something, I used to sit and, um stare at this point in the wall and just like smile at it and my I had a puppy at the time and she would also sit and bark at just this this part of the wall and my mum was like what the hell is going on with these with these freaks I also like used to talk to curtains and like make up personalities for these different curtains so I was always like a freak child um and I think since then I've always been interested in like the scarier darker things it's always been like a weird morbid curiosity as I'm sure it is for most people in our community um first horror real horror movie I remember seeing way too young was Evil Dead um which I've told this story on my podcast a couple of times is that um a group of friends and me like somehow got hold of like a load of bootlegged video nasty VHSs and Evil Dead was one of them (laughs) And I would just never forget the scene, um, the the card reading scene where she's like, three of diamonds, ace of spades, like that. That just threw me. And from then, I was pretty much addicted. Like, from then on, seeking out weirder stuff, got into Lynch and Japanese horror in my, like, late teens. And then now just completely obsessed. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny you mentioned about, like, being a weird kid because I'm a middle child, but my older sister is like eight years older than me. Ooh. My younger sister is eight years younger than me. Oh, so we've got yeah. quite a lot of difference. So at one point it did feel like I was a bit of an only mm-hmm. child. But um, I used to, when I was really young, I used to draw faces on my bedroom wall. And then I used to be like, my mom would be like, why would you do that? And I was like, they're trying to get through. They're trying to get through. <laughs> and at night I was petrified to face that wall. I had to face the other like, way when Not I was surprised. sleeping. Oh my God. <laughs> so I completely understand Jeez. that and oh my like God. my my son is an only child and I'm just waiting for oh, the day bless. he says some really weird shit as well <laughs> bless, I'm waiting yeah. for it. I'm, I'm so prepared it's, it's gonna come <laughs> at some point I mean as long as he doesn't start drawing like faces and upside down crucifixes on the wall I think it'll be okay but yeah that we are a weird bunch I apologize on behalf of us <laughs> um so let's get on to the subject of our episode today um so I pulled out the subject of dolls and puppets Mm -hmm. which I can assume is a lot of nightmare fodder for people um what is your relationship like with dolls and puppets in horror oh it's so so interesting because when you pulled it I was like that is a topic I have not really thought about in years and I know it's a topic like you said that is re- to a lot of people like so freaky and I always thought myself I was like I'm not really scared of dolls but the more I thought about it I remembered again going back to when I was a little freak only child I like had this 
doll of like mother goose um and I used to have nightmares that she was like chasing me through a field and so <laughs> sorry that's just um and then I remember like a similar age being in the playground at school and you know when you 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 share like ghost stories around um, yeah it was like that, that classic like black coffin one but there was also and oh and the girl with the ribbon around her neck but there was one about yeah. a china doll that a little girl bought home and again after I heard that I just could not sleep um yeah and then yeah films um when I got into horror again I was thinking when I was making notes for this I was thinking a lot of like the 80s movies are very very doll based um and Mm -hmm. specifically I was thinking about poltergeist because the clown doll in that used to absolutely fuck me up big time um so yeah dolls are a horrible horrible little thing and I'm excited to get into them yeah, I was the same as you, that we had those playground um, ghost stories and it was the China doll one mm-hmm. and it was the one that was like she'd put it downstairs and then during the night she'd hear, I'm on the first yes, step, yes, 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 yes. You, I'm on the second step. That fucked me up. Yeah. And then I had a great aunt that collected China dolls and she gifted me China dolls and I was petrified oh of God. them. And I remember, like, I put them up in the attic. I made my parents put them up in the attic. And I was still so terrified that I could hear them scratching or something. <gasps> That's terrifying. Um, <laughs> That's so scary. And and then as a kid, I accidentally walked in on my parents watching The X-Files. And I don't know if you've seen The X-Files, but there's an episode. I think it's in season four about this China doll that comes to life. <gasps> I think it's called China or something. Um, and that scared the living daylights <laughs> out of me like scarred me for life Horrible. it's one of those pivotal moments in my childhood that has just fucked me up um so yeah so we kind of get this two-headed kind of prong of doll horror we've got stuff like annabelle mm-hmm. which is like downright freaky and then we've got child's play and yeah. Chucky, <laughs> which is like <laughs> yeah full-on come to life doll uh which one do you kind of fall for more which one would you prefer um i'm probably more inclined to go towards like the annabelle route um i have to Mm. say i don't find chucky scary i never really have um he's a horror icon obviously and like he's great fun but he's not scary to me because he's just too ridiculous like he's so tiny (laughs) you could just kick him out the way um but yeah the, the thought that a doll um, is making these smaller creepy movements when you look at it and you're like did that did that just move or was that me like that's what's creepy to me about dolls is that mm. they are just sat there silently watching you and you don't know if they're moving when you're asleep like it's like the whole toy story thing like the minute you leave the room are they just <laughs> getting up and walking around the room um oh and the, the creepy dolls from toy story as well they creeped me out when um woody and buzz go to sid's house and there's that little baby doll one that really creeped me out yeah um so yeah i'm probably more down the annabelle route than the chucky route to be honest yeah I mean I'd definitely be the same as you Chucky never really appealed to me I think because it was a little bit before my time um Mm -hmm. that it just didn't cross my radar and then by the time I got around to viewing it I was like really this scared kids (laughs) so um yeah I did enjoy the new series I will say that it's a really good series um but yeah the whole Annabelle thing just freaks me out especially because a lot of those antique dolls they used to actually put pieces of hair like real like 
human say if they were, gave it to a little girl they'd use some hair from the oh, little girl okay. into the doll's hair so maybe i've been binge watching supernatural too much <laughs> but you definitely know that doll is coming alive with the spirit of the little girl. oh yeah absolutely like, yeah 100 yeah. percent. letting their way um, creepy for sure <laughs> so let's begin with your choice of a movie mm. would you like to introduce it and give us a brief synopsis please yes yeah, so i choose i chose um the 2002 psychological horror film may directed by lucky mckee um may is a really cute cult little slice of like late 90s early 2000s kitschiness um it follows the uh, the eponymous May, who's a young woman, I put her like early 20s, mid 20s. Um, bless her, she's not having a great time. She um, was raised by like her mom and dad were kind of weird. She had a lazy eye when she was growing up and she didn't really have any friends. May is very, very awkward, <laughs> which I personally can relate to a lot. Um, so yeah, as, as she grows up, May kind of tries to navigate these social situations with increasing levels of awkwardness. She just doesn't know how to communicate with people. And she is played by the wonderful Angela Bettis, who is needs way more love, in my opinion. Um, she meets Adam, who is played by Jeremy Sisto. He's kind of like the, the hunky um, weirdo guy. But and he like says, "Oh, I like weird," but May is too weird even for him. Um, they start this uh, very brief relationship, which is only a, a quick fling. May quickly takes it too far. She bites him because she can't control herself. She's very much into gore and like she works in the vet surgery, so she's always around blood and guts. Adam wants no part of it. May gradually descends down a spiral of madness after she's rejected by Adam. She's then rejected by Polly, played amazingly by Anna Faris. I think you say her name, Anna Faris or Anna Farry, I'm not sure. Um, and eventually has, an, has enough of being rejected and being lonely and decides to hack up a bunch of people to make her own living doll um, based on the doll that her parents gave her when she was young called Susie. And it's just a lovely little film. It is. I was so, like, it, it's always been on my, like, to-be-watch list, and it just kept, like, I kept forgetting about it, to be honest. So when you came to me with this, I was like, yes, I finally get this. And I lamented the fact that I didn't watch this when I was a teenager, because it's such a twisted coming-of-age film that I just fear, like, I just feel like all teenagers who are getting into horror now should watch, because it's just got so many themes of like as you said loneliness uh coming into your own queerness um like masculinity that is just a bit fucked up and it just it just would have been so good for me as a lonely queer teenager to have been able to watch this and found like representation yes, almost. absolutely um, I completely agree is that is that why you like it yeah I I really resonated when I first watched it I really resonated with the character of May she just made me feel so when I was watching it, I was actually the first time I watched it I was actually going through a bad breakup and so um I had gotten into a not very healthy headspace about this person and was kind of like the same 
not obviously murderous obsession <laughs> but like <laughs> obsessively staring at my phone like trying to hang out in places where I knew this person would be um wondering in my head like why isn't this person contacting me what are they doing are they with another person and like the sadness of poor May when she realizes that Adam like really doesn't want her and just she's just too much for him I think that was what I related for as well is that May is too much for a lot of people and that's something I think a lot of women can relate to you know the quote-unquote crazy ex-girlfriend that men love to say um like oh you're too much you're too crazy um so yeah I just watched May the minute I watched it I fell in love with it um love Angela Bettis's performance she is so so sad in it she's so fragile and you just want to give her a big hug even though she is this like complete weirdo <laughs> yeah like what I took from it like when I was dating I was always kind of made out to be this like the manic pixie dream mm -hmm. girl and you know she's she's a little bit alternative and she's a little bit of edgy but then when guys actually like got to know me they were like oh my god you're really like you're full on and you're not what I imagined in my head and you know them being like oh I, I'm into horror and alternative stuff but not realizing how obsessed I actually yeah. was with things because I have an obsessive nature mm -hmm. like I hyper fixate on things so I really resonated with her especially when he was like showing her his film and trying to be this cool edgy bloke and then when she when she actually you know when he realizes that she's actually into gore yes. and horror it freaks him out and you're like like what did you expect yeah. her reaction to be yeah like did you want her to be really grossed out and disgusted and it's like no like women are into gross things I'm sorry to break your bubble but women are into gross things exactly. perhaps not to the extent that makes, <laughs> but <laughs> no absolutely yeah because Adam's like oh I, I like weird and then when May is weird he can't handle it and she's mm. like well I, I thought you said that you liked being a freak and like yeah yeah it, again it's just this whole thing like he wanted her to like flinch away in in disgust like when they're talking about movies and he's like oh you haven't seen trauma like he really yeah. he really <laughs> wants to lord it over May that he's like this edgy film bro but actually May is the edgy film bro <laughs> <laughs> and I really liked the way that I'm going to revert this back to like real life again and also to another theme in the film so in a lot of fandoms in real life we get and I'm going to generalize here. I'm going to say it. it's a lot of guys that are like, you're a fake nerd girl or you're a fake horror girl or you're a fake music fan and all this kind of stuff. Like, can you name 16 albums that this artist mm -hmm. has? Um, and you find it especially in the horror and the science fiction world. But the funny thing is science fiction uh, horror was created by a woman, mm -hmm. which was Mary Shelley, basically. So I really liked the connection to Mary Shelley as well, because we've got this Frankenstein theme yes. in May. So I really liked that connection as well. Um, what did you think of the Frankenstein connection and this whole making yourself... I love it, basically. Yeah, I mean, it's her mum, isn't it, who says from the beginning, if you can't, if you can't find a friend, make one and mm. yeah and then as you say we get this I hadn't thought about the whole like um what you said like Mary Shelley's because I obviously thought about the Frankenstein's monster but specifically that it was written by a woman Mary Shelley um 
yeah, so May kind of takes these parts from other people. And I love how she says so many pretty parts, but no pretty holes. Um, she makes her own friend. And yeah, it's kind of got that. Um, I always find the story of Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monstrous a very lonely story um mm. the monster didn't ask to be created you know he's just kind of flung together um as i have i haven't actually read it for years actually, i should probably get it wrong but he's kind of thrown together he doesn't really know why he exists and i always kind of feel at the end when when may's um frankenstein monster amy comes to life i'm like well um it's got these parts of other people and it's got may's eyes but like where does its heart and its brain come from? And I just, I, I love that it immediately it's first, Amy's first reaction is to lean over and stroke May because it's got, it's now got parts of May in it too. So it's literally made yeah. for her to feel like she's finally got someone who sees her. She's finally got a friend that she created who belongs just to her. And yeah, it's, it's really sad. And when I, also on my rewatch, I noticed that the punk guy that she hacks up, he has a Frankenstein's monster tattoo, and that completely the first yeah. time I watched it, that completely went over my head. When I watched it this time, I was like, "Oh yeah, that makes total sense." <laughs> the way I kind of took the whole building a monster and taking parts from people was that it was kind of symbolic of May becoming a full person. Mm -hmm. Is that she's taken everything from all of these kind of people, whether it's like um her, the guy's rejection or whether it's Anna Faris's characters kind of mess around on her and you know uh, Anna Faris's other sexual partner kind of looking down on her and it's created this monster that is May that is then symbolized in Amy yes um and it's just I just love that this film just has so many layers and it's just like you could spend hours dissecting it yeah you really could and it's just love those kind of films yeah. um so let's chat a little bit before we get onto the doll aspect let's chat a little bit about the queer um representation yes. in this film mm. um i'm gonna admit i have a massive crush on anna <laughs> she is put that out stunning. yes she is gorgeous and in this film especially i mean she's always gorgeous but i'm obsessed with her outfits in this film like the halter mm. necks the um the like floral dress with the knee-high leather boots hello mm. yeah she is absolutely gorgeous in this film love her yeah and i just love the way she represents um may's kind of uh queer awakening yes yeah because when when i re-watched it the first time i watched it i was like okay that may is obsessed with a man but the more I, when I watched it again, I was like, well, I don't think May is obsessed with a man necessarily. She's just obsessed with people. She's obsessed with love and being loved and receiving love, whether it be from a man or a woman. And, you know, yeah, she has a, a sexual moment with Polly, who is Anna Faris's character. And then once she's had that moment, that's when she develops the obsession. So it's this whole like the minute she's touched, she's like, she can't accurately or appropriately manage romantic or sexual relationships because she is so lonely and the minute she receives any attention any touch mm. she's like wow I'm so in love with this person and I can really relate yeah. to that again <laughs> yeah exactly and it's really interesting to see it rooted back to how her mother treated her because I guess that's the way for a lot of people like our first kind of 
um, demonstration of love is from our parents. Yes. And so, of course, that's going to imprint on us. Um, what did you think of the mother's character and role in May? She really upset me because, you know, we, we don't see her a lot in it, but she gives May the doll. And when May tries to get the doll out of the box, she's like, no, 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 don't touch. Like, keep it in the box. Um, so, yeah, it, it goes back to this whole thing about how May is touch-starved. And she's been touch-starved since since she was young she has this this present that she's not allowed to touch she's just allowed to look at it and that's why i think she develops this thing about adam's hands is that she and constantly like having him rub her face and um, like a little cat she is very sweet but yeah she's very touched starved and that goes back to i think the emotional coldness that we see her mother um deliver at the beginning of the film yeah absolutely the mother really freaked me out and I guess because like when you come from um a family quite similar it's like that did affect how I relate to other people and I can really relate that to May as well um and that's just something else that I really loved about this film um so let's chat about the doll then we've mentioned it a few times um the doll is creepy as yeah. hell I don't know why a mother would want to give no, a doll like that horrible. to her child but um May kind of treats her like a person she talks to her and she kind of hears her doll talking you know she goes to her for advice yeah. on how to like be with a guy and how to kiss you know at one point she's like why did you yeah. do it? She kiss like this <laughs> poor Susie <laughs> <laughs> so what did you think of Susie the doll well Susie's terrifying like you said Susie's got these like really I mean most dolls have these really lifeless dead staring eyes um which is part of what makes them so creepy um I, I did feel I don't feel there was anything supernatural in Susie necessarily. I didn't really get that mm. vibe. I, I got more that May was projecting a person rather mm. than, you know, it being like a concrete, oh, there's something living inside Susie. I don't think that was ever the case. Um, I would, like I said, I would never let my kid have a doll like Susie, um, especially because, and in her glass case, it's just very. I don't know. It's a, there's that whole. It made me think of like Beauty and the Bees, like the rose in the glass, um, yeah. the glass thing. Like you must never touch it. And then obviously she takes it to the daycare center with the blind children. Oh, god, yeah. oh my god, what a horrible scene that is! Like my heart was racing the whole time um, when it just smashes on the floor and the glass goes everywhere. And you're like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, no, stop it! Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know if Susie is a healthy part of well she's not a healthy part but she's the only part of May's life that she really has that's has gives her any communication or gives her any love and it's that's very sad yeah and she's definitely like um symbolic of May's kind of psychological well-being you know we see as May becomes more and more fragmented the glass mm, yeah, uh, case the cracking, cracks yeah. um and I really liked that kind of symbolism um so Susie really is kind of May's inner voice almost yes. which is creepy <laughs> <laughs> very creepy um so would you recommend May to horror yes fans? absolutely I would I would recommend it to anyone who's a fan of like cult classics or 90s movies or movies with a queer twist as you said although there was one thing I wanted to ask you when I was um after I watched a read, reading some reviews and a lot of the reviews I read said that they thought the the lesbian scenes were quite male gazy um so I was just wondering if you if you thought that personally 
because I'm kind of undecided. No, I didn't. No. Um, Like, I mean, you could say that, like, Anna Faris was over-sexualized and blah, 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 blah. But, like, duh, women have sex lives as well. And everyone in this film is, is not, you know, they're not acting appropriately. Like even even yeah. like May doesn't act appropriately. Adam's weird. The vet is weird. Everyone in it acts a little bit off, and that's what makes it yeah. so great. Is because there is this uncanny feeling to it. So no, I was I'm in agreement with you. I didn't think it was particularly male gazy. I mean, we barely even see anything. Like we don't see yeah. like anything. Like, we <laughs> right? We could have had a full on sex yeah. scene, but we don't. Yeah, it's just someone who happens to be another woman playing around with May's kind of feelings mm-hmm. and uh kind of exploiting her vulnerability which happens like no matter what gender you are it happens yes. and you have the um the ability to do that so no I didn't think it was male gazy at all um those people have obviously never seen lesbians no, I agree. And I, I oh yeah, I also thought a lot of the scenes with, you know, the the sexual parts, it was also very sad in a way. Like it wasn't just outright like, oh look, it's two hot girls getting it on. It was a sense of vulnerability coming from May and a really great yeah. performance from Anna Farris. So no, I do I agree with you. And um to answer your question further, yes, I would recommend it. I would also I haven't seen a lot of Lucky McKee's other stuff. I've only seen uh The Woman, which is another film by him. Um which I would also recommend, but is very brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, he's an interesting filmmaker for sure. I would like to see more of his stuff. Yeah, same. I was just reading through his because I've I've never watched any of his other things. So I was just reading through, and you know, coming from like I'm going to make assumptions here, coming from uh, someone who I assume was assigned male at birth, to have such a kind of gentle handling mm-hmm. of this subject especially when the subject is a woman was really nice yeah it was it's, like, it's yeah, really unusual i completely <laughs> agree and may is a very three-dimensional character she's got layers mm-hmm. she's got she's very nuanced um so yeah i agree with you it, it's she, she's a very good male written woman which is quite rare to yeah. find sometimes yeah. in films yeah <laughs> that's why like when i looked up lucky i was like I did expect it to be a woman. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be. Yeah, um, it, it sounds like it's quite a feminine name, isn't it? Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, I do recommend the woman if you get a chance to see it. But like I said, it is very bu- brutal, and it ha- it, I would watch it with a content warning before you go into it. Yeah. Okay. Um. So let's move on to my choice. Now I knew straight away what I was gonna <laughs> choose because this film freaked the hell out of me, and it is by one of my favorite horror directors. So I chose Dead Silence. Um. Which is the 2007 supernatural horror film directed by Saw directors and creators James Wan and written by Lee Wanell. Um. It stars Ryan Quanton as um a widower who is returning to his hometown because he needs answers for his wife's mysterious death um they receive a box with a ventriloquist doll called billy um and uh, when jamie's out one night uh his fiance is horribly murdered um and so he returns to his hometown as i said and he tries to investigate the local legend of mary shaw who was a ventriloquist um, dummy performer, as well as she made these dummies. And um, as people around him keep getting murdered by this mysterious present, 
he's forced to uncover Mary Shaw's secrets. Um, God, I fucking love this film. <laughs> like, I'm just going to put it out there. I love this film. It's so like bridging the gap between Saw and The Conjuring for James Wan. Yes, it is um, very Conjuring-esque, yeah. Yeah. What did you think of Dead Silence? So I had never seen Dead Silence before. This was a first-time watch for me. And I, my first thought when I watched it is, I wish I had seen this film when I was younger um, because I think it's a really fantastic entry point for anyone who is looking to get into horror but is, you know, still a little bit um, tentative about it. I think it's a great film for older teens maybe or... Um, yeah. And yeah, I wished I had seen it because I just, I know it would have freaked the hell out of me when I was younger. Yeah. I mean, there were parts of it that, this is what, so I know James Wan gets so much flack for his jump scares and, you know, a lot of people were hating on Malignant for because there were a lot of jump scares in that. And Dead Silence is the same. It has a lot of very easy, very loud jump scares. But that's his thing and it works like (laughs) there was a few times in this film where I was genuinely like oh oh my god that really got to me um I'm a massive true blood fan so the minute I saw Ryan Quantin who plays Jason I the minute I saw he was in it I was like okay I'm looking forward to this one and yeah it was it was good fun it was um not the scariest film I've ever seen but it was creepy at parts. I loved Mary Shaw. She was fantastic. And that doll was just horrible. He really reminded me of um, the Goosebumps doll. Um, yes. Wappy. Like, yeah. He was just Yeah, it's very creepy. much like Dead Silence is Goosebumps. Yes. <laughs> or, as you said, older teenagers. Yeah. And the thing I love about James Wan, and like I said, he does get a lot of flack, but he's bringing the fun back to horror cinema. Like, let's not, you know, like... We had William Castle back in, you know, the 50s and 60s who brought the fun back to cinemas where he had, like, flying skeletons <laughs> in these, like, cinema showings. And that was fun. And William Castle is always lauded as this, like, amazing cinematic master. James Wan is bringing that fun back to cinema. Oh, yeah. You go see a James Wan film and people will be, like, screaming and shouting and laughing. And, like, it's okay to have these ghost train yeah (laughs) i love that description and he's good at that like he's good at this kind of film um and so you know he was super serious with saw and then he decided to be like you know what i just want to make a good old classic ghost story yeah and it worked so well yeah um obviously he's got a thing about dolls and puppets yeah because billy you know sort of saw billy he's one of the most yeah. i had nightmares about him for months after i, I saw saw like <laughs> he creeped me the hell out um yeah no i i totally agree i i wish people weren't as mean as they were about james Wan because you know we're, we're very much in an age now where quote unquote elevated horror is the you know and i don't get me wrong i absolutely i love a24 um and I love a slow burn. I love a folk horror. But there is also a space for, you know, campy, kitschy, jump scary, loud horrors. And um, yeah, I remember when I, I used to teach teenagers um, in Japan and they would we would often talk about like your, your favorite horror movies. And they would often say things like Annabelle or The Conjuring um, or Dead Silence. And 
at the time I was very much like, those aren't real horror movies, darling. But then I thought, well, no, these are kids and these are great entry points for kids to get into the genre because they're fun, they're exciting. Um, they've got imagery that will stick in your head and they're mm-hmm. they're dark enough without, you know, approaching real darkness which they will get to in time I'm sure and I don't want to force them into it before they're ready (laughs) (laughs) yeah you're like let's let's lay off mid yeah (laughs) let's watch (laughs) (laughs) who's up for martyrs um (laughs) so yeah I completely agree like they're great sleepover movies Mm -hmm. um and that's what a lot of people, that's how a lot of people got into horror was through sleepovers, whether it was through stuff like The Craft or Scream. Like, you just need that. You know, no one goes to a sleepover hoping to see, you know, Ari Aster's latest <laughs> because you'd all be, a, all be sat like, there crying. Be yeah. <laughs> yeah. Questioning your existence. Um, so, yeah, stuff like that, this is really good. And I just. I think he's got the right amount of twistedness. Like you can see the saw, even through his cinematography and even the opening credits, you can see the saw influences. But, and as we see Mary Shaw, it turns out she was using real human parts to create her puppets. Um, That's really fucked up and twisted. Yeah, it is. (laughs) A lot of the deaths (laughs) in this film are really, you know, gross. I mean, the the beginning death when, um, Oh, what's he called? I keep wanting to call him Jason. Jamie. That's sorry. <laughs> Jamie's wife is killed. Um the 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 unhinged mouth kind of reminded mm. me of um Mirrors um by Alexander Arja, I think directed it, but the, the woman pulling her um her jawbone off in the mirror. Um something about a wide mouth always gets to me. Um or like a like a creepy smile, which you also see in like Insidious with that creepy family. Um I think James Wan is great at doing some facial horror. He's very good at making a creepy, a creepy face. Yes, uh, James Wan, the man of creepy faces. <laughs> um, <laughs> it kind of reminded me. The deaths kind of reminded me a bit of um, that bit in the ring. Oh yes, where it yeah, flashes yeah. to yeah Amber Tamblyn's character. She's like yeah. petrified in the closet. That really reminded me of that. Um, but yeah, I just I'm such a James Wan stan. I'm like. I just, it's such a comfort watch. You know, when you're like, okay, I want to watch a horror film, but I don't want to be like awake at night questioning my whole life. And I don't want to go too much into the campy, creepy, like campy 80s horror. It's just, it's such a perfect middle. Yes. Like, yeah, they're, they're films perfect. that you perfect. can, um, not that you should, I'm not advocating for it, of course, but if you <laughs> wanted to sit on your phone at the same time, um, you could. I mean, I, one of my favourite films is The Conjuring, um, and I, people don't That's like right. it. You know, it's not like technically a good film or whatever. Who cares? It is a fun film, and I've seen it enough times now that I can just have it on in the background and chill out on my phone, and then when the best bits come up, I'm like, oh, there's Bathsheba, love her. Um, the Conjuring 2 as well is really fantastic um i mean i spoke with ariel who i know you've had on the pod as well um the the biggest james wan fan (laughs) um and we spoke about how like he is great at creating a franchise um yeah but i i know that the reception to dead silence wasn't great um the critical reception i think that kind of stopped him and lee one l from taking it further and i kind of like that it's just a standalone film to be honest because it's it finishes its course and it does it wraps the story up nicely and 
has quite a horrible ending as well. So I'm glad that they didn't like, you know, keep dragging it out. Yeah. Although, you know, we saw with uh, the, the Japanese ring grudge they had, you know, uh, the ring versus the grudge. I want to see Billy versus Billy versus Annabelle. Like, I'm not oh yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I okay. My money's on. Well, it isn't Billy from Saw. He's literally just a puppet, so yeah, he'd be out he straight away. I my money's yeah. on Annabelle. I have to say, um, she's got some darkness in her. That girl. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Puppet Showdown would be a great movie. I mean, it kind of reminds me of the movie Dolls from the seventies, which I haven't seen in a long, long, long time. But there is a. Oh, I haven't seen that's that. a good one. There's a lot. There's a lot of dolls and puppets in that. Um, and I think some of them end up fighting at some point, but I have to rewatch it. But yeah, <laughs> I like that idea. You want something there? Yeah, definitely. So, why do you think James Wan is so into his dolls? Do you reckon he has a deep-seated fear of them? I think the impression I get is James Wan is a guy who grew up on horror, loves horror, loves ghost stories. I imagine he kind of has a similar history to you and me and possibly many many people in our generation you know the playground ghost story um the you know the urban legend ghost story that gets passed around reading the goosebumps book under your covers at night um Mm -hmm. and just children have this way of honing in on things that we might not necessarily think are scary so like dolls for example like i know a lot of adults um think they're scary but that comes from childhood and I reckon yeah. James Wan probably had a similar childhood where he was just like completely enamored, but also terrified by dolls. Cause you can see in his films that he's got a love for these horror tropes, which I personally really enjoy. Yeah, same. Um, and you know, you said that he's good at creating franchise. He's good at creating icons yes. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I can't, apart from like, Black Philip, I can't think of any other horror film director that's created such an icon um recently. Um yeah, I can't think of any. Or like like all I can think of is James Wan, whether it's Annabelle or it's Billy the Puppet from Saw. Um, because that's what you see in the shops at all the horror yeah, yeah, icons, yeah. you know. It's like it's yeah. like Jason, Michael, Annabelle. Yes, I mean he's um, he's fantastic at marketing. I will say that about James Wan. That man knows how to make money, um, whether it be from merch or sequels or whatnot. He's a fantastic marketer and you know, fair play to him. Yeah, exactly. I don't get the hate with James Wan at all. Um, So would you recommend Dead Silence to horror fans? I would recommend Dead Silence to people who want to get into horror, um, which I myself had. I wish I had seen it before I was a jaded, you know, A24 (laughs) fan because um, there were parts of it where I was like, I wish this was scarier. But it is scary to a certain audience. It is scary to younger people or people who are not fully into the genre yet. And there are genuinely scary parts. Even to a hardened old hag like myself, there was a couple of points where I was like, oh, that's creepy. So, yes, I definitely would recommend it. And I love what you said about the sleepover. Um, I would put that in, you know, with The Conjuring and an insidious, like a James Wan sleepover night would be so much fun. I would, yeah, I'd love that. It's kind of funny how we both chose films that we've both said, I wish I saw this when I was younger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And that we've both kind of reflected on them as 
perfect films for teenagers, mm-hmm. um, whether that's just because they want a sleepover scare or whether because they they want to see some sort of representation in themselves. Um, so it's kind of funny that we've got this childlike subject, which is dolls and puppets, and we've kind of connected them with adolescence almost. Yeah, definitely. Um, so out of the two films, if someone was like, look, I want a horror film with dolls in it, which one would you choose over the other? If they wanted a horror film about dolls, I'm going to say Dead Silence because May has dolls in it, but it's not really about the dolls. It's about the symbology that the dolls represent and it's about May as a character. <coughs> Excuse me. But Dead Silence is about killer creepy dolls <laughs> um, and, you know, the ventriloquist behind them. So, yes, I would have to say if it was specifically about dolls go for dead silence yeah i'm, I'm gonna agree with you there um because i think when you want a horror film about dolls you want it to really be creepy yeah. and spooky um but i'm gonna recommend may as well oh yeah just may rocks yeah. yeah yeah um so before we go i usually ask my guests what is your favorite horror film Oh, I wish that I had a definitive answer because every time I get asked this question, I panic and freak out. Um, I, I have always gone to Juon um, and the Juon franchise. Okay. It has always been my go-to. Um, I'm a huge Japanese horror fan. Um, it's my favorite subgenre. And Juon is the film, specifically Juon The Grudge, um, the Japanese one is the film that got me really into J horror. Um, I think it's a monumentally terrifying film. Um, you know, the, the image of Kayako coming down the stairs is still years after seeing it for the first time. I still can't get over the chill that that gives me. Um, I love the different narratives that run through it. I love how it fucks with the timeline. Um, I love how bleak it is. So yeah, I would I would go and say that. Um, although you know, Midsummer is creeping up there, and it has been since I saw it. Um, so that may well take over at some point. <laughs> <laughs> I have actually never seen Juon because I've seen enough trailers and enough clips of it that. It just has fucked me it, up, and I'm just like, I'm just like, do do I want to watch? Do I want to watch this and pee myself? Right? <laughs> I don't know. I will do it. I will do it eventually. I have to. I mean, I would um, recommend if you if you want to watch it, watch the American remake first because, as is usually the case, the American remake is less scary, but it's still it's directed by the, um, Takashi Shimizu, the the same director, so it's still quite a loyal retelling, and it's got Sarah Michelle Gellar in it, who is great. Um, but yeah, it, it's a it's a it's a scary scary film, and still one of the scariest of all time, in my opinion. Yeah, I have seen the I saw the American Grudge when it first came out, and walking home alone in the dark after that, I was just like, nope, nope, and then going. It, but the the great thing about that grudge was like it was scary walking home alone but it's even scarier when you're in your own house yes. <laughs> you're just like Ugh. well that's the thing i love yeah. about juan is you are not ever safe um you know there's that iconic scene from the film where um one of the characters gets into bed hides under the covers and kayako is under the bed un- in the bed with her and that to me just blew my mind because i was like oh my god no no bed is the safe space you can't come in here <laughs> and i've never fully shaken that I'm, I'm- I'm going to watch it just for you. I'm oh, gonna, thank you. Face my fear. <laughs> okay, I don't want responsibility <laughs> if you pee yourself. 
<laughs> Sorry, in the fans. Um, that's okay. I'll forgive you. Um, so thank you so much for coming on and chatting spooky dolls. Thank and you for having me. me. This was really fun. Um, such an enjoyable topic. I mean, when you brought it up, I, I started making a list of all the films that I know that have puppets and dolls in them, and there's so, so many. Like I could have picked hundreds. Um, but yeah, I love the choices that we spoke about, and I think two very different but very encapsulating ideas of what dolls mean to horror so yeah this was really fun thank you so much i'm just really glad you didn't come to me with child's <laughs> oh no 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 I, no I thought about it but then i was like eh. that was my chat there with amber about dolls and puppets in horror films and in particular we chat about 2002's may directed by lucky mckee and also dead silence directed by james one and written by lee one l um from 2007 so i hope you enjoyed this week's episode let me know in the comments on our social media about what dolls and puppets terrify you um you can find me on instagram and facebook at what a scream podcast and then you can also find me on twitter at what underscore scream and you will also be able to check out amber on twitter at horn blood fire don't forget to give her a podcast a listen as well um she's incredible um so yes next week i am going to be doing a deep dive episode on one particular film um it's a film that doesn't really get talked about a lot um so it's really interesting when my special guest came to me with this film my guest next week is uh Rebecca, the assistant editor at Ghouls Magazine. And together we are chatting about Personal Shopper, um, which is a film starring Kristen Stewart. Uh, Yes, it was my first time watching it. So it's a very interesting discussion. Uh, So tune in next week for that. And as always, I hope you stay horrific. Goodbye. Shouldn't be scared of the Dracula Shouldn't be scared of the movie Shouldn't be scared of the Frankenstein's monster You should be scared